Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, episode 64. We are doing the five precepts of food safety planning, and this is step three. What is your intended use and who are your consumers? Welcome to the Smallholder Food Development Institute podcast, where we serve up truth so that you can build the profitable, sustainable food business you've always dreamed of. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Hello, everybody. Dr. P in the house here, in a different house. You'll notice this is a different setting than I usually record my uh, podcast in. The sound may sound a little different. I'm recording through my um, uh, headphones. And we are doing episode 64. This is the uh, five pre-steps of food safety planning. We are doing episode, uh, doing step number three. And it's actually pretty funny that I'm doing it, um, uh, this right now, because I'm in a rental house in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. So hello, everybody. And it has been quite something. And so over the course of this episode, you guys are going to hear the story of the rental house that I am sitting in. Now, why does it, what on earth does a rental house have anything to do with food safety and food safety planning? Well, it's because of the question of customer value. We are all about customer value around here, right? And that I'm, I'm very fond of saying nobody buys your food, they buy a solution to a problem. Well, when you either make more problems or don't provide a solution to a problem, you don't actually provide customer value. And we've been talking about the proofing box, you know, so I'm doing, I'm doing kind of opposite uh, um, episodes on explaining the proofing box and explaining um, the five pre-steps of, of food safety planning. And when we talk in the proofing box, the very first thing we talk about is results. And when we talk about the pre-steps of food safety planning, uh, step number three is incredibly important because step number three is what is the intended use of your food and who is your consumer? All right. And so if you don't know how your uh, consumer consumes your food and if you're selling wholesale, that not only means the person to whom you are selling the food, so the retail or the, you know, whoever you're selling the food to, but the person who's actually eating it, you're not provide, you can't provide value because you have no idea how people are consuming your food. And so today, that's really what we're gonna cover. And this is, you know, people ask me how I came up with the proofing box. Well, it really is how to, I came up with it so that I could help people have a framework within which to execute food safety planning. Because I succeed when you guys all succeed and can actually do your food safety planning, right? So I want to thank you for the time for joining me listening to this podcast. As always, I will have office hours afterwards. This is not going to be a particularly long podcast. It's Boxing Day. <laughs> and I'm recording because um, I had this idea that we're, there were going to be a bunch of people um, who are going to be probably checking their cell phones and uh, able to watch a podcast. Um, so if you haven't joined us over on the Proofing Box over on Facebook, please do so. For those of you who are watching live on the Proofing Box, I will have office hours after this. Like I said, there will be a pause in which I will um, stop <laughs> so that um, I, the, so when we edit the podcast, we can just put that up because I don't... Um, I don't do uh, put the office hours up on uh, on the podcast. So, uh, but office hours after this. So, ask your questions uh, and just type them into the comments box, and I should be able to see them. 
And so with that, thank you for your time joining me this Boxing Day. I hope everybody is having a blessed holiday season full of light and love and family if you have it. And if you don't like your family, then you're far away from them. <laughs> and I would today we're talking about step three of the five pre-steps of food safety planning. And we're talking about, we're doing this in order. So, you know, the first step is, as um, we did, what feels like a long time ago now, is step one in, in food safety planning is uh, food safety is a team sport, you form your team, and step two is describing your food. Once you've done those two things, well then, you got to des describe who is eating your food, okay, and where is your food going, because this is, um, this is like the next part of any specification you write. You got to write how your food is packaged, how it's stored, all that good sort of stuff. And this and and the pre-steps of food safety planning, step three, covers that. And the very first thing I want you to think about is I want to think I want you to think about the person who's eating your food and how does your food solve their problem? And why do I want you to think about that? because I know you are all amazing at whatever food you make, okay? A lot of y'all, I have eaten your food and I agree with you, it is fantastic. However, if good food was all that it took to be successful in the food industry, we would, I mean, like restaurants would never go out of business, <laughs> right? <laughs> no food production, like, well, not no food production, but the, the places that you remember that made such good whatever, you know, there was a donut place when I was growing up and they went out of business, you know. Um, it's not just good food, okay? It's food that solves a problem. Why is solving customer problems so important? Because people don't pay you for your food, they pay you to solve a problem. So I am sitting here in a rental house in Phoenix, Arizona. And I rented this house because, as I was fond of saying, I canceled Christmas and I wanted to take everybody to the warm sunshine. Now, ignoring the fact that this is like the coldest Christmas in Phoenix in like forever and it's like rained. They got all seven inches of their uh, um, annual expected rainfall this week, I think. <laughs> it's not even that. Okay. I have three little kids and my kids love to swim. And so I rented a house with a, with a pool and the pool doesn't work okay the washing machine in this house doesn't work again three little kids okay there are so many things in this house that just flat out don't work and i uh i think i have between saturday night when they gave me the wrong address for the house that was fun uh, I had my three kids, my aunt and my mother in the car while my husband was grocery shopping um, and I couldn't find our rental house. That was awesome. And so this, it started with that. It proceeded to a broken pool uh, and, and a whole bunch of other things in, in, in between. And I think I put in 14 phone calls to the rental agency. 14 phone calls, guys, on my vacation. Now, I charge $500 an hour. In case you want to work with me, $500 an hour if we're doing one-off work, <laughs> okay? Um, and the sheer volume of time uh, I have spent on my own vacation trying to rectify the house that I'm paying a lot of money to rent um, has been really pretty astonishing. And every time I get on the phone with them, they're like, we're trying. And I believe that they are. I totally get it. I believe that they are. And they want their effort to equal results. Effort does not equal results. Your customers do not pay you for your effort. They pay you for the results of a safe product with a good story where they can support local food, okay? 
How are you telling that story? And are you getting in your own way by deciding that your effort equals the result? If you really do the steps of food safety planning, these pre-steps of food safety planning, step three puts you in the shoes of your consumer. And when you're in the shoes of your consumer, you will understand how your product solves problems. Okay, so whoever your intended consumer may be, you gotta think about that person. Now, this is an awful lot easier if you are not your intended consumer. So I have, I have a client that makes um, a very specialized charcuterie and he makes it for wholesale. And it's his description of his intended consumer is super easy because it's not him, okay? And it gives him some distance. When our intended consumer is us, it makes us think that our opinions about how the food is eaten are the ones that matter. I promise it isn't. The most famous case around this is Nestle Toll House cookies. So now I don't know if y'all remember when Nestle Toll House first came out with um, those chubs full of chocolate chip cookie dough. Okay, this was in the 90s. And what did everybody do? They went to the video store, they got a tape, they got whatever movie they were gonna watch that night. Okay, and they went to the grocery store and they got chocolate chip cookie dough and they came home and they sat on the couch and they ate chocolate chip cookie dough that they didn't even have to make and watch their movie. This was before Netflix and chill, my friends. And they all got salmonella. Well, not all of them, but there, there's a certain subsection of them got salmonella because Nestle did not use pasteurized eggs because on the package it says chocolate chip cookie dough and has um, safe handling, like cooking instructions to cook the dough, right? But Nestle got sued and they lost, even though they said, but it's cookie dough, it's supposed to be cooked. The judge, and I don't know if it was jury trial, said, you know people eat cookie dough raw. And they're like, well, yeah, sure, but that's on them. And they were like, nope, it's not, it's on you. So the question is, how do people consume your food? And this often comes up in FDA covered ready to eat foods. And I know this can be super difficult. Are people eating your food raw? Okay, they may very well be. If your food is a raw, ready-to-eat food, that is one of the most complicated foods out there. And you have to know that from the beginning. Because if you identify in step two that you have a raw, ready-to-eat food, and your consumer consumes it in that state, it almost defines everything else about your food safety planning, okay? And you have to do your hazard analysis, which is step six, um, with listeria in mind, with salmonella cross-contamination in mind, and shigatoxin E. coli most times, because that's what we worry about in raw, ready-to-eat foods. Other things that you have to worry about in who is your intended consumer and how do they eat it is, are you selling to little kids, okay? You know, do you, are you making ice cream sandwiches that little kids will love and eat? I mean, I don't think I have, nobody, nobody really makes sustainable homemade formula. <laughs> so, you know, there are no babies in the, you know, nobody's feeding babies, but there are a lot of people who want to feed kids. Or you run, um, you run farms and, and you're getting meat slaughtered for the local school lunch program because you have a buying program within your local school lunch program. 
there's a whole extra set of things that you have to worry about because kids, they're not immunocompromised. They're just immunoincompetent. They're just, they're, their little immune systems haven't grown up yet. And you gotta think of, you gotta think about that because in order to solve the problem, you gotta not only solve the problem for whomever is the purchasing agent. So those, that's the people who, you know, buy your food is the purchasing agent in that, in that instance, but then also the little kids who are eating it. And little kids, by the way, selling into institutions where they feed children, less all the way through college. Okay, you're really not immunocompetent until you're about 18. All right, and so if you are trying to sell into schools and colleges and universities and things like that, super important to know that you have to do an extra stringent level. And it's mostly in testing. It's not, you know, you have to be super, super careful if you're making ready to eat foods or any foods. Um, but if you're making for uh, immuno-incompetent populations, you gotta be really careful about that. Okay, so the other um, populations that are that you have to worry about is if you make a food that um, pregnant women are likely to eat, you have to identify them. Um, nobody's, I, I'm, I'm trying to think, I, don't, I mean, most people, if, unless you're like saying you have a food that's really good for gestational diabetes, I wouldn't worry too hard about that. Um, pregnant, having, having been a pregnant woman, we're mostly in charge of our own food um, and know what we're not supposed to eat. <laughs> um, and then elderly populations. So, okay, some of you are trying to sell, there, there are lots of, um, People trying to get local food into hospitals, okay, and into nursing homes and things like that because stimulating the palate of our elderly populations increases neural function, gives them something to talk about, um, helps them with, you know, like as they, um, who is it? Um, uh, is it Atul Gawande who wrote uh, Being Mortal? I think it's Atul Gawande. Uh, and the four horsemen of the apocalypse of being elderly uh, and what loneliness and isolation guess what? Food can help solve that. But if you are selling into local nursing home populations, which I think is a brilliant idea, uh, you have to do some extra food safety planning because the people who are eating your food are now, by now, they are immunocompromised. I went through immunoincompetent, immunocompetent to immunocompromised. Lots of people like, so if you um, uh, have implants, you know, hip implants, our, uh, just shoulders, whatever, you know, we got lots of, lots of things we implant now for, <laughs> for people. Those are all defined as immuno, um, uh, incompetent populations or immunocompromised populations. If you have cancer or on chemo or other infectious diseases, regimens and things like that, you're immunocompromised. And you just have to know that. And so if you are at the point where you want to grow and scale your business, okay, and you eventually want to be selling to those folks, even if you're not selling to those folks right now, Begin as you mean to continue, identify those folks, write the food safety plans that you need now for the, um, for those populations. And then when it comes time to grow and scale, you'll already know what you're doing and you will save so much time and time, my friends, is money. <laughs> okay. And so by identifying who your consumers are and how they consume it, at the beginning, you are gonna save yourself so much heartache. Very small, extremely vital step. And the other thing I want you to be really super duper careful about is that your marketing is in parallel to your food safety planning and that your marketing is not saying that your food has label claims, okay? 
there is a recall of a now former client of mine uh, where they claimed on their website that their food um, was known to cure cancer. Do not do that. Things that, called, that cure cancer are called drugs. And drugs, you think food is well-regulated? Try drugs. <laughs> okay. Um, so food, uh, the drug, drug safety planning, billions of dollars. <laughs> food safety planning, thousands of dollars. <laughs> okay, so be very, very careful about your marketing and what your marketing says because the FDA takes that stuff super, super seriously, as does the USDA. They are looking on your Instagrams, they are looking on your Facebook, and they are looking on your websites. Okay, and so please don't say your food is used one way on your packaging and another way on your website because you will get nailed and it is not good. Okay, so that's what we have for intended use and consumers. I know it's a super short podcast, but hey, it's Boxing Day. We'll be back next week. We're going to have a special episode with my brother, and we're talking about um, uh, uh, inventory planning for small businesses. And so if you have any inventory at all, whether it's pigs or chickens or bags of flour or whatever, uh, you're going to be want to uh, be sure to tune in to that. It's going to be great going to be a great episode. All right. Well, thank you ever so much, everybody. Have a great boxing day. I love you. And uh, we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. Be sure to join us in the Proofing Box, a private Facebook page for food producers filled with valuable information and technical tips. Grow your business by learning from people just like you, all under the guidance of a food safety expert.